Episode 77, The Power of Your Words. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. And welcome to The Game Changers. This is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Great to be with you, Jason Jennings. Uh, Dale, it's uh, great to be with you in just a couple of days. I get to say, uh, je voudrais un beer à la pression, s'il vous plaît. I would like to have a beer on tap. <laughs> there you go. In Paris. In Paris. All right. So our, our topic today, the power of your words. I'm sure that you have something to say about this as a professional speaker and an award-winning and New York Times best-selling author. You deal in words. That is your currency. So It is. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Let me tell you what happens. Uh, virtually every trip I take, and I'm on an airplane every week someplace, it seems, uh, I'll be walking through Chicago or I'll be walking through Newark or I'll be walking through Miami or, or, or Dallas or Denver at uh, the airport, and somebody will walk up and say, you're Jason Jennings. And I'll say, yes, I am. Who are you? And shake their hand. And sometimes they'll talk about a book. But more often than not, the reason they recognize me is because they've seen me at a speech. And Dale, I can't begin to tell you how many times somebody has said to me, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of times they've said to me, I was at a speech you did seven, eight or nine or 10 years ago. And you said something that just changed my life. And I think about it every day. And I'll say, well, tell me what it was. And they'll tell me something I don't even remember that I said. Think about the power of our words. They were in a certain place at a certain time needing to hear something and something that I saw as a throwaway set of words or just as a very minor point. I mean, really reverberated loudly with them and made an impact. Unfortunately, the problem is that more often than not, uh, words can also have a very negative impact. And that's what I thought we should talk about today. Oh, the negative side of it. Yeah, well, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what happened. Recently, I was talking to this old man, uh, and uh, old. I, I don't know. He must have been eighty, eighty-five, I guess. And he grew up in Hungary, and uh, he was telling me a story of how, when he was like a ten or eleven-year-old boy, uh, he had seen a poster uh, on a utility pole announcing that the circus was going to be coming to town in several months. And there was nothing more in the world that he wanted to do than go to that circus. And so, what he did is he began saving all of his uh, nickels and dimes so that he would be able to buy a ticket. They were called forints uh, in Hungary at the time. And so he saved all his forints, all of his pennies, and all he had to figure out was how to get an hour away uh, to where the circus was going to be playing. And so finally, as, as it was approaching and getting very close, he heard about a family in town who he knew very well, and uh, he decided to be very brave and knock on their door and ask if he could drive with them to the circus. But he wanted them to know he wasn't asking them to pay a ticket or pay for a ticket because he had all the pennies in his hand. And so one day he marched up to the back stairs and knocked on the kitchen door and the woman of the house answered it. And she said, hello, I mean, what do you want? And uh, Dominic and Dominic said, I would like to go to the circus. <clears throat> I have all the money to buy a ticket and I hear you are going. I'm wondering if I can drive to the circus with your family. And she looked him up and she looked him down and she very sternly said, if you want to go to the circus, tell your lousy father to say earn enough money for a car. And she slammed the door in his face. Mm. Now, that's a very sad story. 
But that's not uh, – so it's sad that it happened. Uh, but it's sadder that Dominic, 70 years later, was telling me this story and how this story had influenced his entire life. I mean it, it actually made my eyes very moist. And so I, I, I just think sometimes uh, about before we tell young Johnny, Johnny, you're no good at math. Man, do you understand? You might have just branded Johnny for the rest of his life. Or Susie, why aren't you any good at that? Think of how we brand children. And we don't necessarily mean to brand them for life, but how we do. And I know because uh, I had an episode that took place in my life like that. Negative experience for you? Oh, yeah. So so anyway, here's, here, here's the story. Ten years ago, uh, I sat down and did a bucket list. All the things I wanted to do while I still have time here on Earth. And uh, lots of things. It was 110 things on the list, and I just keep crossing them off and adding more. So I, I hope I never die because I've just got a big, long list. But one of them was, as a kid, I had always wanted to play a stringed instrument. I, I wanted to play – I thought I wanted to play the violin because that's about the only name of a stringed instrument that I knew. And uh, it, it never happened. As a young kid, uh, I told my father, I said, uh, I, I want to play a violin. And my father said, only sissies play violin. There's no way any kid of mine is ever going to play a violin or any musical instrument. You'll be playing sports like the other people, so get that stupid notion out of your head. And I went to Cap Daly, the, the head of the band and the head of the orchestra, and I said, I want to play a violin. And he said, you know what? If I let you play a violin, your father's on the school board, he'd have me fired. He said, plus, playing a musical instrument is for a girl. I mean, it's not for a boy. And I remember other members of my family told me, look, playing a musical instrument is the most stupid thing that you could ever do in your life because you can't sing. I mean, you can't carry a tune. You're tone deaf. And so I went through my entire life, I mean, having been told I, I couldn't do this. So finally, uh, 10 years ago, I decided I was going to learn how to play what I thought was the violin. And so uh, I tried to find a teacher, finally talked to a, a young man uh, who played in San Francisco Symphony and uh, had uh, students on the side. And he came to my home and he came in and he looked up and he looked down and he said, oh, my God. He said, you're very tall. He said, you don't want a violin. That's for smaller guys. He said, you want a viola. He said, it's uh, just your lucky day that I happen to have one in the car and I teach them both. And so he goes and gets the viola. And so I, I pick it up. And I didn't know how to hold a viola at the time, but I started playing. And he said at the time, he said, um, now, how many lessons do you want? And I said, well, I'm not a five-year-old kid beginning the Suzuki method. I mean, uh, you know, so lots. And he said, well, how many? And I said, how about every day except Sunday and when I'm traveling? He said, well, how many lessons a year would that be? I said, I don't know, 150, 160? I mean, I'm very serious about this. He said, well, let's test out your musical ability. He said, uh, I'm going to play a note on the viola. And then in two or three minutes, I'm going to ask you to sing that note for me. I said, no, no, I can't sing. I'm, I'm tone deaf, I've been told. He said, I don't believe that. So he played this note on the viola. He, he drug his bow across it a few times. And he said, just try to remember that. And a few minutes later, he said, okay, sing that note. I said, geez, I told you I can't sing. He said, sing the note. And so I started humming the note. He said, just a little higher. He said, there, you got it. He said, now, let me do another one. And he went to a, another string. And he said, now, I'm going to come back to you in a couple of minutes and ask you to some, uh, hum that note. I said, no, I got lucky the first time. He said, no, you didn't. And so he said, hum the note. So I hummed the note. He said, just a little tad lower, and I'm humming away. And he said, you got it. You nailed it. And so the, for the better part of an hour, we did this. And uh, at the end of the hour, he said, you know what? He said, you don't have perfect pitch. He said, but you're so darn close that you're not far away. 
And all of a sudden, I had such anger rage through my system. I had spent my entire lifetime being told that men are sissies and little girl boys if they want to play a stringed instrument. And I was told that I couldn't sing it out. I mean, that I was tone deaf. Utter, total lies. Now, did anybody intend to damage me that way? I don't think so. I certainly hope not. But imagine the impact it has. And so what I like to tell people to do is just shut up. I mean, before you say it, just shut up, especially when you're talking to a young person. Just, I mean, catch your tongue. Just catch your tongue and think. I mean, before you tell somebody, they're bad at math. Why can't you do this? Why are you always screwing this up? You're tone deaf. You'll never be able to play anything. I mean, don't. I mean, absolutely don't do it. And uh, and, and that's my play on words. And, and as somebody who deals in words as my currency in my books and my speeches uh, and is constantly reminded by people who say, I heard you say something once that made an impact on me, and to me it was just a throwaway line. I know that we carry the responsibility, awesome responsibility, to never utter words that could potentially hurt people or limit people's ability to do something or affect them in an adverse way. Uh, Why would you want to do it? And um, I remember the words of uh, my debate coach uh, who told me when I was young. uh, She was a remarkable woman. She said, I do it because I can, I can because I want to, and I want to because everybody said I couldn't. Mm-hmm. You want to repeat that one more time? I will. And I know we're running out of time, but I got to give you the backstory. She is somebody who had been abandoned by her parents, was raised in an orphanage, got pregnant and young, very young to escape the orphanage, had a bunch of menial jobs uh, throughout her adult life, did a good job of raising her three daughters, uh, in her early 40s, decided to go back to college. She graduated the top of her class. She became her first teaching and debating position was at age 47, one of just one of the most remarkable women on the planet. And she said, I do it because I can. I can because I want to. And I want to because everybody says I couldn't. Mm. I was going to say, one of the most important things I'm pulling away from this conversation is to go back in my head and think about what are those words that I'm I am choosing to repeat that I might have heard at some point, but the only reason I'm being held back is because I'm repeating them. Right. So uh, I, I guess the lesson I've learned is measure your words very carefully because whatever words you're using are having a huge impact on someone much bigger than you probably think. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That is definitely a game changing conversation for folks. We would ask that you would share this episode with one of your best friends. Uh, if we could get every listener to just share this this episode with a family member, a coworker, somebody that you appreciate, this is a great way for you to share that. Uh, share your appreciation for that person. Hey, I heard this, uh, thought of you, and would love to share this with you. Um, we would appreciate that to help grow and make this content available to more and more people. While you're at it, would you also write a review in iTunes and while you're there, leave uh, a a rating. Hopefully we've earned a five-star rating from you for this. We ask you to do this in iTunes for one specific reason. Uh, It's the place to go for, for people listening to podcasts. And when you leave that review and you leave the rating, it pushes this podcast higher on the list for more and more people to find. 
You've got something to add? I, 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 I do. I'm sorry. I, I, I caught my word. I, I, I do have something to add. I, I, I was thinking about something. Uh, as, I'm, as I'm trying to come up with topics or ideas, because this is certainly not scripted. We come up with an idea and we run. Uh, but just I, I, I don't want to become a repetitive guy. And so at least once a week, uh, I'm, I'm on my website at jason-jennings.com, and I click on the podcast, and I see this list of 76, 77, 78 podcasts we've done. And I just scroll down through the list to make sure we're, we're, we're not repeating something or, or going someplace we've already been. And, and once in a while, something's important enough that we will. Uh, however, I was struck with the realization of, of what these podcasts represent. We do it because we love it. B- because we, tr- I mean, there's no charge. We're not going to monetize it. It's all about helping highly principled people achieve their full economic potential. What greater thrill can that be? But I was thinking, you know, for all of my books, the research is mammoth. Uh, We have screened more than 220,000 companies, studied in detail 55,000 companies, conducted nearly 14,000 interviews with the greatest CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business people on the planet. And what people are getting in these podcasts is they're basically, in, in order to get the information they get in the podcasts, they would have to go out and replicate that. I mean, they'd have to screen 220,000 companies. They'd have to interview 14,000 executives. They'd have to generate six to 700,000 pages of interview transcripts. They'd have to write eight uh, books that, that win big acclaim in the marketplace and are big successes. Uh, but you know what? They don't have to do that. They, they can listen to these podcasts. And, I mean, you're, you're getting the results and the benefit of all that. So for everything in life, I mean, I think we have a right to ask for a payback. And the payback is we would like you to do two things. I mean – pick your favorite podcast, or if this one made an impact on you and and you think it's worthy of being listened to by somebody else, send the link to somebody in your address book. Now, uh, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So don't plan on doing it sometime next week because you won't get to it any more than I get to things that I plan on getting to. So do it now. And the second thing is, I know it's a pain to go to the iTunes store and write a review. I talked to a friend recently and he said, my God, it's hard to leave a review there. It's not an easy process. But put up with the pain uh, for us, please. Uh, payback. And I do need to do one shout out. And that shout out is uh, a few days ago. I was talking to a great friend of mine, Nick Stathis, uh, in Australia, who I've had the opportunity of teaching and mentoring and working with for a long time. And we were talking about viola. And I told the story that I told today. And he said, you know, that's a podcast. For God's sake, that's got to be a podcast. Talk about the power of words. So uh, hands up to uh, Nick Stathis in uh, Brisbane, uh, Australia, for recommending and suggesting it. Oh, absolutely. Credit where credit is due. Jason, thanks so much. You have yourself a great week. Travel safely. Until next time, this is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.